0: Uh, if she didn't let you see all this, it's good to see you here today. Uh, our young people are off on a retreat, so remember them in your prayers that they uh, come home safely today. A <clears throat> 101 years ago, in 1921, the Taggart Baking Company of Indianapolis was preparing to introduce to the market a new one-and-a-half-pound loaf of bread, and they empowered or tasked or assigned a company vice president named Elmer Klein to come up with a name and an identity for the bread that they could use to uh, market it. Well he thought and thought but inspiration finally struck Elmer while he was attending the International Balloon Festival on the grounds of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. There before him floating all across the sky were hot air balloons in every color of the rainbow. And he later said that the beauty of the multicolored balloons struck him with, quote, a sense of awe and wonderment. And from that day onward, the new loaf of bread became known as Wonder Bread. My wife used to let me eat it until she started making me eat cardboard instead <laughs> Wonder Bread's good stuff, still on the market. Long before those balloons filled Elmer with wonder, our Lord Jesus filled with wonder and with bread a multitude of over 5,000 people with just five loaves and two small fish. It's the only one of Jesus' miracles, or wonders if you'd like to call them that, that are found that's found in all four of the New Testament Gospels, which may reflect the importance of bread in that ancient time, a time where few people would go to bed at night fully satisfied, having their hunger completely met. In his gospel where he calls the feeding of the 5,000 a miraculous sign, the apostle John says that those who ate the Wonder Bread, that day when Jesus fed the 5,000, received as much as they wanted, maybe for the first time in their lives. And so they were understandably impressed. They wanted to crown Jesus as king just because he could feed them. But they had misunderstood what Jesus' Wonder Bread was meant to show them. They saw the miracle, but they missed the meaning. They saw the sign, but they overlooked its significance. Today, Jesus tells us, as he told them, to stop chasing after Wonder Bread and eat instead the bread that satisfies, the bread of life. I invite your attention with me this morning to the Gospel of John, chapter 6, where Jesus' account of the feeding of the 5,000 is found in John's gospel. Jesus and the disciples had crossed over the Sea of Galilee. A large crowd followed them out there, and that's where this miracle of the feeding took place. And then the disciples got in a boat to sail back across the lake to Capernaum. Jesus walked on the water in the night and met them out there and went on to Capernaum. Uh, and that's where they were. The crowd that was left on the other side of the sea saw that Jesus was gone, but there'd only been one boat and the disciples had taken it. So they were puzzled. They, they went around the lake, they found Jesus. Uh, actually, they sailed in boats that had come from Tiberias. And this is where we pick up the story in John chapter six. Now John's gospel is the only one of the four that does not record the institution of the Lord's Supper. But here in John chapter 6, Jesus delivers a discourse on the bread of life, the bread that satisfies. And it's the closest thing to the Lord's Supper that we find in John's gospel. We're going to read today from John 6, verses 25 through 35. And if you're able, I invite you to stand with me for the reading of the scripture. The Bible tells us that when the crowd found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. You're looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. It is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I myself am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me Will never be thirsty. Thank you. Please be seated. Jesus is speaking these words in the synagogue in Capernaum, a place where uh, I have been privileged to visit. You can still go there today. The synagogue is not the same one. It's it's built a bit later, but on the same spot where this synagogue in which Jesus was speaking was located. And Jesus delivers them an important message. He tells them not to miss the bread that satisfies while chasing after the bread that doesn't. The crowd that had eaten the loaves and fishes were following Jesus for basically two reasons. For miracles and for manna. That's what they were after. They were intrigued by the supernatural mysteries that surrounded Jesus. The way he fed that huge multitude of thousands with so little. Uh, The mysterious way that he got across the lake when the disciples had taken the boat and he wasn't in it. In fact, their question in verse 25, Rabbi, when did you get here? The question asks when, but what they really want to know is how. How did you get here? Joel Gregory calls that curiosity without commitment. Jesus did not answer their question because He never reveals himself to curiosity without commitment. Because mere curiosity about Christ can never satisfy spiritual hunger. So they were looking for miracles, but they were also looking for Jesus, not because they understood the signs, but because he had filled their bellies, John says. The word used in verse 26 is related to a word meaning fodder or hay. So they were like barnyard animals just following their appetites. Jesus had been able to satisfy their appetite for a moment, for a time, and so they went looking for him. But they did not understand. They had eaten the loaves and had their fill, but here they were again, hungry again, still not completely, fully, long-term satisfied. Why? Because what they had eaten was food that spoils how Jesus describes it in verse 27. Not food that endures to eternal life. And they were still chasing after the perishable bread while the everlasting bread of life was right there among them. And they were missing it. They were distracted by what was superficial and missing what was significant. I wonder if any of us here today might be doing the same thing, missing what is of true value, what is genuinely significant, because we're distracted by things that aren't, because we're chasing things that ultimately don't count. Jesus said, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. Dennis Backe, in his book, Joy at Work, says that the average person works 111,800 hours over the course of a career. That's a lot of time. That's years, in fact. Working. Chasing after, if you will, food that spoils. Don't get so caught up in making a living that you forget to make a life, as many have said, perhaps you have heard. Don't miss the treasure while chasing after trinkets because that makes no sense. In Russell Conwell's famous sermon, Acres of Diamonds, he tells a story about a 19th century Pennsylvania farmer who got tired of farming and decided he would move to Canada to help his cousin in his coal oil business. They would gather coal oil off the surface of water uh, that, that came out naturally and sell it and make money and so he decided he would do that so he sold his farm in Titusville. Uh, According to county records he sold it for $833 even money and no cents but it turned out to be without cents in another way too because scarcely had the man left for Canada than the new owner went out to water his livestock. And he discovered that the former owner had put a a board angled across the brook that flowed behind the barn in order to dam back a a foul-smelling substance that the livestock would not stick their noses through to drink. Well, it turns out, when the new owner checked it out, he found that the man who had gone to Canada to find oil had been damming back a veritable flood of it for 23 years out behind his barn. That's what it was that was on the surface of the brook. And the geologists later determined that it was worth hundreds of millions of dollars. And he had sold it for $833 and no cents. May I suggest that those to whom Jesus spoke on that day And perhaps some here on this day do the same thing when before you is the one who says, I myself am the bread of life. And you pass him by in order to go out. Give your best energies working for food that spoils, food that doesn't satisfy. Don't miss out on the bread that satisfies, chasing after the bread that doesn't. We learn also in this text, verses 28 and 29, that the bread that satisfies has to be eaten in faith. The crowd misunderstood at yet another point. Jesus was speaking of giving. The crowd is thinking in terms of earning. They ask in verse 28 what works they have to perform to meet God's requirements. The word works is plural. They're thinking of rituals, sacrifices, sacrifices. Um, ceremonies, works of benevolence, things like that, the checklist that they can satisfy to gain God's favor. But Jesus says there's only one work that is the work of God, and that is believe on the one God has sent. Believe. That is God's work. Everything else flows from that. That must be first. If you're going to partake of the bread of life, You have to do it in faith, trusting in Jesus. All they had to do was put their faith in Jesus as God's anointed, the one sent by God for their redemption. Because nothing we can earn by performance can ever satisfy the higher hunger of our hearts. Only the grace of God in Christ can satisfy that, and it is a grace appropriated by faith. But the crowd does not believe. In fact, they have the nerve to ask for a miraculous sign in verse 30. Can you believe that? It's almost as if they're saying, well, you know, anyone can take five loaves and two fish and feed 5,000 people once. But our forefathers uh, got manna in the wilderness from Moses. That fed them for a generation. What are you going to do? It's as if Jesus had just done something anyone could accomplish. And it hadn't been Moses that had given them the manna in the desert anyway. It was God, as Jesus points out. The same God who was trying to give them even better bread at that very moment. But they were unable to see it because they didn't believe. We say, uh, show me and then I'll believe. Jesus says, trust me, believe me, and then you will see. But they did not. One miracle hadn't been enough to satisfy that crowd, so a thousand more wouldn't have done it either. If you don't believe, a miracle is not going to change your mind. Every day in this world, lost people are witness to a multitude of miraculous events. Only God could accomplish, but they persist in their unbelief because they've seen it so much that it's become mundane. The miracles that God does, just the the birth of a baby is something only God can accomplish. It happens every day, multiple times. And people witness that, experience that, and still don't believe in the God who gives life. The Bible says that nature itself testifies of God's eternal power and divine nature in Romans 1. But without faith, we remain blind to the miracles that take place around us every day. It's the paradox of faith. Only those who believe can see the signs that compel belief. But those who do believe are given the bread of life. And the bread of life, the bread that satisfies is Jesus, Jesus himself. Tim and Annie Tidenberg were newly appointed missionaries who were going to work among the Maasai tribesmen in Africa. And one of those tribesmen, named Lazaro Orpasangu, walked for three days from his village in Tanzania in order to meet the newly arriving missionaries when they got off their plane. And so he was there, he went up to greet them, and he said this to them, We are so glad you're here, because we are a hungry people. Well, Tim Tidenberg assumed that Lazaro was talking about food, so he told them that their primary purpose there was to train pastors, not as a benevolence organization, to feed people. But Lazaro replied, Oh, no, you misunderstand me. I'm not asking for food I'm asking for the bread of life. You see, that African tribesman understood better than the crowd of Jesus' day what was truly the bread that satisfies. The crowd wanted the heavenly bread of which Jesus spoke. They even asked for it in verse 34. But they were thinking in terms of loaves while Jesus was speaking in terms of life. Jesus said in verse 35, I am the bread of life. It's an emphatic construction. I myself am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus is the bread that satisfies. Coming to him completely satisfies spiritual hunger. So how do we come to him? We come to Jesus through a personal identification with His life, death, and resurrection. And that is appropriated by faith. By faith. We believe that Jesus' violent death on the cross was on our behalf. That His sacrifice was for our sins. And we trust in His sacrifice as the price of our redemption. And we express our faith in that Through the ordinances of baptism and the Lord's Supper. Through the symbols of the supper, in fact, we partake of the bread of life. A little farther down in verses we didn't read, I'm going to read for you now. Jesus says, starting in verse 54, Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your forefathers ate manna and died, but he who feeds on this bread will live forever. So how about you? Are you ready to partake of the bread of life, the bread that satisfies Jesus Christ himself? Are you ready to let him eliminate your spiritual hunger for all of eternity? A bit later in the service, you'll have opportunity To respond to that question. An invitation to confess Jesus Christ as your Lord, your Savior. Put your faith and trust in Him if you need to do that.